Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Today we're talking about the Pink Boot Society and beer. Who better to talk about that than three straight guys and one woman? Well, at least we have one woman here, which is better than a lot of breweries. It's a little bit different sort of show today, but we'll have a lot of fun and obviously have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Uh-huh. Sorry, I just coughed just before we started and I haven't quite recovered. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's been a yeah. fun week or two. We've actually seen both of you in between <laughs> since the last show, which is. That's true. <laughs> just a different occurrence, really. Saw Justin up to help babysit for like, he drove up. Two hours up here to babysit for like two hours, and then no, he was here. Well, like, then then it was it, like two three hours. Then it was nap time. I I tried to feed him. <laughs> he was having none of it because the child doesn't eat. Yeah, Not wrong. Yep. <laughs> Our daily uh, struggle. I don't know how he survives. Honestly, we played a bit. He, me and Emmett had fun. <laughs> he also had to wake me up because I I was I was tired. You had to go. go. He just. <laughs> he he looked at me and was like, I was I was fun most of the time. There's a moment where I he caught me dozing. Like I was watching one of his shows with him and then I just he goes, Wake up. Ah <laughs> Yeah. You cannot sleep. You're not allowed to sleep on his watch. Or no, the <laughs> the best part of that I had to be told about when you went outside to meet the DoorDash or went to get the delivery and oh, he yeah. walks into the bedroom while Brittany's in the middle of a meeting. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, my friend left. <laughs> I was I'm, like, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. Uh, I'm cool being known to Emmett as like, that's my friend. I was like, yeah. Yeah, we tight. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. But that was fun. Uh, and then, uh, well, we'll, we'll <sighs> I suppose maybe we should address the other thing before we talk about uh, uh, Casey's day out. Well, I guess. It kind of starts in everything. So Casey was also up. Uh, we ran out to Jungle Gyms, picked up. Uh, we were going to do some tastings, but uh, we couldn't get all the beverages to everyone. We picked up some Iron Brew, the drink of choice in Scotland. I did get a good laugh from a message that just said, my son is shouting for Casey and yeah. in Jungle Gyms. Because in the supermarket. We're, in, we're like just outside the beer area in Jungle Gyms and... and- just hear Casey wandered. Casey, because Casey, Casey wandered off as he is like to do, especially in a place like Jungle Gems, and we're like, yeah, 
we last saw him in, when we were in the cheese. So we're wandering around the cheese, which is adjacent to the beer. And then Emmett's like, Casey gone. And I was like, <laughs> we yell for him. Like, let's look for Casey. And he's like, okay. And he's like, Casey, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> I like put him up on my shoulders. And I was like, come on, we'll find Casey. It was great. That chat. You can find my way back. But yeah, uh, so I guess what is being alluded to, uh, he then. (laughs) I've had a doozy of a week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll we'll get past all the, we'll skip the clogged toilet and poops. And then (laughs) really the funny part of that is he pooped for the first time in like two days. And then I flushed it and it stopped the toilet up. And then our plunger (laughs) didn't. Our plunger would not plunge it. And I was like, this plunger sucks anyway. I was like, I probably just need a new plunger. And I'm like, I'll go get a new one. I'll look at the time. I'm like, there's no stores open. Crap. I was like, was, yeah, that was like the problem. Seven in the morning. It was, yeah, it was like, no, at that time. It, oh, was, it was like six in the morning, actually. Yes. Yeah, it was like six. So I was like, well, I've got to wait an hour until Kroger opens and I can go get one. Crap. So Again, wait. Is the problem. <laughs> go get a plunger, come back. Still won't take care of it. I'm like, F it, you're just going to have to call maintenance. They're going to have to come snake this thing or do whatever. Because <laughs> our kid just apparently shit a rock. And then he poops in his little potty after the toilet is broken. So <laughs> no, just he just has to sit there. He had peed in it. He had already peed in it. And she, that's when she was like, what do I do with it? And I was like, well, the pee. I was like, you can just dump that down the sink or whatever. But in the meantime, he then poops in it. It's like, well, that's not going down the sink. Yeah. So I mean, it could eventually go down the sink. and that, it, it won't with that attitude. I'll say that. <laughs> well, there's a compiling problem in his little, <laughs> his little potty in the living room that just keeps getting added to. <laughs> Oh, it was it was a great time, let me tell you. Anyway, um, they snaked it, and that that problem was done. Then the next morning happens, where wait, uh, was it the next morning? Yeah, it was the next day. Jesus, Thurs- Thursday was the toilet fun. Friday was <laughs> I don't ER. No anymore. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know how long it had been. Like twenty minutes since you had dropped him off at daycare. I, yeah, I had just parked in uh, like I'd just gotten to work, and I was in the parking lot, and it was like. I was just getting ready to turn the car off and head inside. And I got a call from the daycare that was like, one of the first things she says is, um, he's going to need stitches. And I was like, oh. That's, <laughs> you don't open with that, first of all. Uh, and to, be, I, to be fair, she was wrong. He needed staples. Oh. <laughs> which was also very fun to witness. So, real quick. Before we go too deep into the story about how this happened, I was just getting the bit of it I knew, which was just some pictures and talking to my parents. <laughs> and they said, oh, his poor mother. And I went, yeah, I was just worried about the small child. But yeah, now that you mentioned that, I bet I bet Chris and Brittany are just a mess right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, since I'm the one who got, went to pick him up, he's in a room with one of the... I don't know, like management or whatever at the daycare. And uh, just those two watching cars. And I go in and he's just like, hey, mom. And he's he's handling it all really well, I think, because he can't <laughs> see it. Um, yeah, because. Because it's it you can like basically see his skull. You could you could just <laughs> it was just a window to his skull. You could yeah. see. By- uh, so he, he, he was running and he he fell into the door frame, which still had blood on it when I got there. Ooh. Um, 
and his shirt that they had to change him out of was covered in blood. Looks like a horror movie. Uh, his shoes <laughs> have blood on them. We still have to clean those. His little Spider-Man shoes. Uh, it's yeah. It was just horrendous. His and they, they had his shoes. hair up in a in a little oh, yeah. just to get it out of the way. Well, so I think it's a pony type thing. Yeah. So it wasn't like matting in the wound. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I will say the Spider-Man shoes actually look pretty boss because it's like the <laughs> Spider-Man costume on it. So it's like Spider-Man went dark. Spider-Man great for a three-year-old. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, and we had I took him to Children's Hospital and like yeah, it was it was a whole thing. We had to like there was like numbing cream involved. Had to we were waiting there for a while in the office. Like we went back really fast, but she was, was like, unaware there. of medical staples. Yeah, I didn't realize it was legit an actual stapler. <laughs> yeah, like, Milton. I've not had it happen, but yeah, I, from what I've seen, it's just it's a swing line stapler, and they just come essentially in. like someone gives it that good slap, like it's a large stack of papers, and more or less. Kind of comes in. It kind of comes in from the side, like uh, like ant teeth do, <laughs> and pinches it in. It's just oh, but that was the only part that he was like not okay, and it wasn't. Because, I mean, like, they numbed it heavily beforehand, but it, it was the whole, it, him being held down to, like, you know, clean it and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. He was not okay with that. Uh, and the but woman, the rest of the time, he was fine. The woman who came <laughs> in whose entire job at the at Children's is to distract the children from these things. Hmm. And it worked, actually. She gave him the little spinning toy with the, the like, snow globe situation on it and lights and stuff, and I he just, loved it. <laughs> the way he handled it, I couldn't believe, because he's just like, I'm just, like, we had to wait, like, an hour or more. We are just watching some Mario videos. He's playing with his Marios, and that was, was he's just chilling was, out, and and I'm just, like, holding him, and I'm, like, I can see his skull, so I'm, like, trying to not look at it, and we're just sitting there, and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> that was, Chris that was is the about gist, ready to pass out. Yeah, that was the gist I got from the, from the pictures you said. I was like, I'm looking at him, like, he is remarkably calm right now because I, he couldn't see it i i really yeah. yeah and i uh like when i went to pick him up i was like expecting him to just be like you know a freaking wreck <sighs> and he's like hey mom look mater because they're watching cars and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> is it mater is his name it doesn't mean tomato and i'm just like i'm, I'm thinking of that because like you're like yeah no, he wouldn't say something like that honestly or he's but. already learned denial and it's just like is the trauma was to the point and he's like i can't process this so okay, hey, so. Cars. Sa- <laughs> safety mechanisms yeah yeah <laughs> all right so, yeah fun times um bob casey how have you guys been <laughs> i've had a great week uh, yeah i was gonna say i I've been fine. Not nothing, nothing, you know, insane. However, I I have been filled with jealousy as I keep getting updates as uh, uh, Casey either baby's day outs, uh, his 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 most recent trip, or uh, is basically just a living embody- embodiment of uh, Gladstone Gander from Ducktales. I don't know which one do you want to go with. I've had I've had good luck and I've had dumb luck. It's all been it's all been good. Um, seemed like every hotel I went to, they like upgraded me to another like higher end room. Again, like, luck is happened? a zero sum game. His good day means someone had a bad day. Yeah. Um, they so I haven't really been in the hotel scene traveling for work in like two years, like pre COVID. But I've been, you know these these hotel companies. Hilton has 
carried over your your status. And so even though I'm two years later, I still look like I'm a gold member with Hilton. And so whenever I walk in, they're like, oh, here's these perks. And here oh, we've upgraded you to this room because you're gold. I'm like, I haven't stayed at your hotel in two years, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's been nice. Um, and then, of course, with with being on the road in Indiana specifically, they, they have gambling and casinos. So, <laughs> you know, I go in and... Uh, pull off on the side of the road because i've been driving for a while and say hey you know i've got i've just got to be at the hotel tonight let's go play some craps so i go in with like 200 bucks sit at the craps table for a little bit and and up down but i walk away with a little over 120 bucks into the good on it and i'm like great i want a little bit of money i'm happy let's go so i leave and tell my wife ashley about it and she's like oh where do you go to buy me nice and i'm like i can't get it like I just won this money, you know? Um, so the next day I go back and same 200, I go in and come out with a little over 400 <laughs> on that one. So I'm like, all right, I can get you something nice now. Cause you know, I'm actually doing Again, decent. As, as we were getting different updates, I repeat Gladstone, this man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was definitely dumb luck on, on a lot of those, but you know, lo- no, when to get out, uh, Leave when the getting's good. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into the story, uh, but I'm just thinking about the time you played roulette at uh, Chris's bachelor party. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was the you're you're down. If you were down two hundred, you bet your last thing, and it was you put a bet on a five dollar bet on double zero and came out because yeah. like, Ian, you know, had, Ian, like everyone just started yeah. calling double zero, double zero. Case like fine, five dollars comes out twenty dollars down for the night. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically recouped every penny plus some, so that was a that was a good little bet towards the end. You know, I've had overall, I've had pretty decent luck at at table games, so I'm not any good at uh, slots or well, it's not me. My luck's not there for slots or scratch offs or anything like that. But table games, I actually do pretty decent most of the time. Yeah. All right. How how'd the rest of your baby's day outing go? <laughs> I mean, it just seemed like there was one thing after another. It was just, oh well, this is nice. This is nice. Was it you? You, your the, the, the text we got is you're driving along. Go, I smell distilling. Oh yeah. So uh, literally driving down the road um, in central Kentucky, uh, I'd stopped mash. off, or I was on the way to a um, in between. Where was I? I was going from Cincinnati over to. Uh, a little county school system near near Cincinnati and in Louisville in between, and then I just had to drive south to get to Woodford County because um, that was my next stop. And as I was driving, I I just smelled. I was like, "That's that's somebody that's distilling." Like you can just smell the mash smell. And I want I want to say that's like like that's a superpower. But honestly, if you're near a big yeah a big you know distillery, you'll know. You know it. And so I kept driving another mile or two, and I was like, man, it's getting stronger. So I punched into my, my phone, distillery, and up pops 0.9 miles away. Woodford, or Sorry, not Woodford Reserve. Uh, it, Buffalo Trace Buffalo Distillery. Trace. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So free tour. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get in. And 
they they don't tell you who your tour guide is going to be, but they get in there like, okay, here's here's the next tour. It's in 30 minutes. It's the Barrel Tour, which is the best tour that they've got. You go to the Barrel Houses. Um, it's a little bit more like not their standard tour. It's a little bit more than that. So it's a longer tour. Um, sit down on the couch for about 15 minutes, and then uh, in walks the tour guide. And it turns out it's a, a fairly famous, um, thanks to the documentary Neat, uh, tour guide from the distillery. Um, oh, his name's... It's, uh, um, Freddie. Freddie. Freddie, yes. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. Say, it's not even just the documentary. Like, he's... Oh, yeah. Interviews with Freddie, because Freddie is... He, uh, you want to say his family, like, is, his yeah. family yeah. has worked at that distillery for generations. Yeah, his yeah. father has touched every millionth barrel that they've produced, and um, except for this last one, the seventh million barrel, I think, uh, will be, it, well, it was Freddie and his grandson that helped mm -hmm. put that one in. Um, but every billionth barrel, you know, that was Freddie's dad that, that helped put it in. And then, um, so he was the one given the tour and at the end of the tour, they were out of, uh, uh, the Blanton's downstairs, but they had saved some back for this tour and said, here you go. You know, if you want your Blanton's, everybody can have one bottle. And so, yeah, uh, again, just walking through, oh, I'll just stop by for a tour here. Have some Blanton's. Yeah. <laughs> God, I... and you know he he's a good tour because he tells so many stories which is really good but you know to have him guide you through a tasting of buffalo trace bourbons that we was had, that was nice we had talked some years back about trying to do the bourbon tour as a uh, the the yeah the bourbon trail as a thing but uh i think as we were like starting to really kind of talk about it covid happened so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be cool to do that yeah all and right. he's one of those he's one of those guys though that like you want him as a tour guide but they never tell you that he's going to be the tour guide for you right. until you actually have him as your guide because if any big contingency like he he said right before he got there he was touring a group from i think he said the philippines um, that had come in and they wanted him to do that one because they were, I don't know, some specialty group or something that the parent company had brought in. So um, they wanted him to do the tour. And then he just so happened to get off that tour just in time for us. Yeah. Nice. And it's, I'm sure it's the, like, every, if it was advertised, like, oh, the, with tour guide, you know, like, and yeah. told you their name, everyone would just want his. Yeah. And there's a good chance that somebody shows up that's a vip and he gets pulled off the tour and then you don't get it yeah so because that's kind of the way it goes we got married there we've had several of the tours there and i think we've done almost we've done all of them but the hard hat and mm. i think the hard hat's probably the only one we Actually, haven't yeah i think that's it that's the only one we haven't done there. Yep. and we never got him never even saw him <laughs> so like it's it can be like that. You can just like walk in there. And you're like, oh hey, and then you end up on the tour with Freddie, or you can be like us, where you try and try and try, and you never even see him. Like, you don't <laughs> see him in a hallway. <laughs> like, Chris, you're, you're you're just doing it wrong. You have to be Casey. I was say we're not Casey. Well, Casey, last week. I don't know if it's going to continue on, <laughs> uh, but definitely, but definitely was, last week was good luck. What was our? Who was it that tried to step on to? It was Tim Couch. 
uh, tried to step oh. onto our when we did the haunted tour. We did the ghost tour. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And to uh, uh, UK football player. Yeah. UK football oh, player later uh, uh, Cleveland Browns, Browns and uh, they they ruined him and he yeah. went somewhere else anyway, after that. He was I guess back home and was visiting and tried to walk onto the tour and they're like like my sister was there and like starts freaking out and when someone just like walks in and is like oh can I get on the tour and they're like no this tour has been sold out for weeks and then he and they're like oh Okay, and then leave, and my sister's like, that's the couch. <laughs> I don't... Okay. Uh, he he, he was a big deal a few years back. It's fine. Kind of a big deal. Okay. Especially in Kentucky. Uh, anyway. You know, you know what used to be a big deal in this section of the show? News. Mm. News? Oh, yeah. Uh, this week was kind of fun because we're talking about some, I don't know, uh, nauseating things? Yeah, I mean, I mean, old Casey, old Bay vodka exists. I'm on board with this. I it's, knew you it's would be hundred percent. That is my bloody mary that, go-to vodka. If I can't get the uh, the Aquavit, yeah, yeah. It, it comes uh, out it, uh, later this month. So I bet you I can make my own if I can't find it. It's from <laughs> it's it's from McCormick. <laughs> yeah, McCormick. Of course it is. is partnered to make it yeah uh what else we had? we had another wine heist uh a nice Ponzi yeah. scheme and um natty light uh helping you pay for your mullet and getting some free beer oh yeah and stoli's rebranding that was the other one yeah yeah yeah, stoli. Uh, yeah i bet they are <laughs> not as much as you'd think <laughs> yeah stoli it's not a changing full... their name to stoli stoli from <laughs> a... uh stolishnaya yes see casey got it the first try yeah, of course. And, and the, <laughs> Actually, the, it's uh, st- yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, their owner coming out to be like, "Hey, I've been hating Putin since before it was cool." Mm. <laughs> yeah, Putin hipsters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, fun, interesting week on news this time. <laughs> uh, I, I guess as is usually. Look, we had to do something different. Like, couldn't couldn't do all the like mainstream news stuff because it's all basically like, hey. Did this company used to make a bottled product in the Ukraine? Well, guess what? They're making Molotov cocktails now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Which seems right. That's that's a good allocation of resources. Remember when? Remember when we were? Uh, everyone's making hand sanitizers for COVID. No, Molotovs now for Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just a flag. Modern problems. Modern solutions. <laughs> I was gonna. Um, you said that. I was like, oh god, we're doing Dave Chappelle, aren't we? I was getting ready to say, well, <laughs> uh, speaking of transitions and uh, modern problems. I mean, we'll see by the end of this episode. Uh, anyway, uh, today it's a. Uh, we're talking about the Pink Boots Society. What is Pink Boots? Well, they are a set of boots that are lightish red. All right. Good episode, everybody. Have a good night. Send the troops uh, home. Lightish red. <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, that's not what we were talking about. Uh, the Pink Boots Society says on their website, quote, we are the movers and shakers in the fermented alcohol alcoholic beverage industry. We make fermented beverages with the highest possible quality. 
We are the women and or non-binary individuals that own the companies, package the product, design the labels, serve the drinks, write about the industry, or write about our industry. So and how is the logo not these boots are made for brewing? That's just what they'll do. <laughs> One of these days, these boots are going to brew all over you. Uh, it got weirder than I thought it was going to. And uh, Anyway, and they also say just about everything in between. Most importantly, we teach each other uh, what we know through our seminar programs, and we help each other through our advance uh, – help each other advance both uh, front-of-house and back-of-house careers by raising money for educational scholarships. Uh, they are uh, that's the end of that quote. They are a celebration of the women's in, women in the industry. While women are uh, were likely uh, women are likely the first brewmasters in history, uh, the modern culture of beer has been heavily male focused. I believe our joke used to be you must have about uh, you must be about yay beard to brew this beer. Yeah. Uh, whether it be uh, ad campaigns, demographics of drinkers or brewers, the industry, uh, the industry rather than the history, has been male-dominated. The Pink Boot Society uh, was founded on the intention of giving support to those in the industry that may feel dis uh, disconnected from their uh, fellow female brewers, or someone who feels like the industry just doesn't represent uh, represent them or who they are. Which, as we found out in the last year and a half. <laughs> a lot of people don't feel very represented in beer yeah. or get treated badly by white men because they're the worst. Because <laughs> history. Because history. <laughs> Again, bet one of the better memes was uh, that bit from Pocahontas. All of hi all of history. This white man is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, pretty yep. much. All you say is it just the Simon thing of uh, the past was the worst? I mean, yes, the past was in fact the worst. The fact that we survived it is a miracle. Uh, well, one of the founders of the Pink Boot Society uh, credits uh, as one of her heroes, uh, Millie Pullman. Pullman credits uh, her introduction to brewing to her family's German heritage. Her mother was on the board of Schlitz Brewing, and her aunts and uncles were involved in the trade. She says they have uh, they have always had beer around. Uh, having German grandparents meant there was always German food and beer on the table when they were near. Uh, while her family did have beer, uh, did have the beer business as a core tenant, eventually making up the entire board of directors for the Schlitz Brewery, uh, she was the first in her family to take on home brewing as a hobby. Quote, I was the kind of person who made everything from scratch. I made beer, cheese, wine, bread. That's the four major food groups right there. <laughs> Well, maybe not wine. Uh, I went through a phase of making everything. I was the maker. Isn't that kind of like, so one of the things we've learned throughout the years of this show is that's like, if you look at the old farmhouse beers and really where brewing started, that was how it started. Like the first brewers were like the homemakers and the women. Like they were, the, it was considered woman's work. Yeah, or, well, women or monk. Well, yeah. Or monk. Yeah, I think if you go back, like, to... Very far, yes. Yes. That, like, hunter-gatherer versus what's what's kind of out there. The men were hunters, is what we're, we're told, and then the women were the, the gatherers slash they made the homework uh, 
you know, anything that dealt with cooking and beer was pretty much cooking would have been done by them at the at the house or at the, been, the hovel or hut or whatever. They'd have been the it ones be. who who had found out that uh, you you leave these ingredients in in the water too long by accident and you get uh, something magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm picturing a uh, Frosty the Snowman, except uh, <laughs> Beery the Beery the Caveman. There must have been some magic in that old yeast vat that day. Amphora, that old amphora that day. I'm gonna go back to the uh, the foamy foamy fruit in the kitchen. Yep, there must uh, have been some magic in that old pineapple <laughs> they found. <laughs> Some of the worst mold that I've ever seen has been on a pineapple. And it was, well, I'm sure. it was black hair that was about two and a half inches long. Oh, God. And, I mean, and covered in it. Yeah. Uh, pi- pineapples are very porous. Like, well, and, they got, and they're wet. And acidic. So, like, a, yeah, your normal but, stuff isn't going to grow there. It's just the stuff that can survive it. Wow. We're yeah. The, this conversation went off the rails. <laughs> As we tend to do. Pineapple I, feel, hate. I feel like that should be uh that's that's the have a drink coat of arms. This went off the rails quickly. <laughs> yep. Uh, where were we? Schlitz. That's where we were. Uh, God, sorry. I'm just picturing uh, uh old cheap drinking and and bootlegging of old here in Kentucky. Uh Anyway, it was her high school shop class, however, that someone first encouraged her to put her work, uh, put sorry, to put her making to work in a formal degree. Uh, as the class was making tables, someone noticed her work and made a comment that you should go into engineering. Uh, quote: I always did something at home like that. It, it was uh, a good thing that the shop teacher suggested that uh, at my age, a woman going into engineering was not the norm. Uh, it, I was uh, the only woman in my engineering class, uh, sorry, only woman engineer in my class. I never did conform to what other people uh, were doing, she said. Uh, Pullman credits this pathway as one of the reasons she moved into beer. Uh, I branched off, uh, again, more quotes from her. Uh, I branched off, uh, uh, it, made, uh, it made sense to go into beer because engineering uh, was, uh, wasn't actually that interesting, not at the time, she said. Whereas it's kind of, I don't know, you know, this is one way coming into it. Like, I wasn't really into the engineering side of it where I stop and think like Anchor and like Maytag to where <laughs> I, like that side of it is like, I feel like that's like backyard engineering where they were more interested in like, can we Frankenstein this dairy equipment into a brewery? <laughs> we only have so much money. How are we going to do this? We only have so much money. Dairy equipment is cheap. How, how can, how can beer happen here? <laughs> yeah. They're uh, they, yeah, you know, they're looking at it, and the you know, Jeff Goldblum walks in, and uh, beer uh, finds a way. <laughs> Old bucket of water, and beer can happen. All right. Uh, when asked about uh, being in a male-dominated field, Pullman credits her childhood experiences traveling the world as a major factor, making her more comfortable in taking risks. There's certain things I'd look at and say, no, that's too risky for me, but. Uh, by and large, that would probably have to be much more extreme than most other people look at. At the same time, I could feel a lot of fear inside, but I'm still going to do it 
I still feel like this could be scary and this scary thing could happen, but I'm still going to do it. Pullman started college at the University of Vermont, but realizing she wanted to go into alternative energy engineering, she began a road trip to the West Coast to continue her engineering education there. Just some like uh, Alaskan brewing thing. Like she's wanting to get into harnessing like cow farts to power the brewery. (laughs) Right. Uh, 1977 at Christmas, I left with a friend and we were on our way to Berkeley and my stepsister was working as an animal trainer for Sun Classics. They had a show called Grizzly Adams and they were filming in Park City, Utah. Everyone remember Grizzly Adams? I do remember Grizzly Adams. I didn't realize they filmed in Utah. Yeah. Uh, so we said, let's just stop at Park City, this cute little mining town up in the mountains. And we can stay with her. So we stopped, and we didn't leave. (laughs) For the next 20 years, Pullman spent her time in Utah with only minor trips out of state for a few months to work. She saw many of the miners and ranchers leave the area in her time, and more artistic types began moving in. Artists and skiers, then eventually Hollywood and the Sundance Film Festival. You could live an alternative lifestyle and not uh, and not be part of corporate America or whatever. The rents were low, she said. Uh, I went to University of Utah and all of my degrees uh, because it cost almost nothing. And I could commute there from Park City. Imagine being able to say that now. It was like a 30-minute drive. Yeah, I mean, that part probably is the only part that stayed the same. Yeah. Uh, In the summers, I would do construction. Imagine how many women were doing construction then. That created its own challenges. Every day, I'd be scared of what kind of sexism was going to happen that day. It was Mm -hmm. really bad. I mean, people would, they'd have these rules like women can't use the nail guns. Well, why? Well, you might get hurt. I was like, so will the other guys. So there were a lot of battles. Almost every day I was arguing with the boss. Eventually he changed. They changed. The people who were running the construction crews changed over time due to my pushing back on their stupid rules. Yeah, and that's... (laughs) Sorry, I'm just thinking of that as that's going. I was like, oh, yeah, that's them trying to be nice. It's like, oh, no, no, we should take, you know, make sure you're okay. But also, that's a real bad thing to do. It's also a little sexist. <laughs> yeah. That's... Pullman completed mm-hmm. her bachelor's and continued on to get her master's in engineering, even though it was against her values. She took what she says uh, was the only job she could get with the defense contractor. Job, mm-hmm. <laughs> the job would take her away from Utah, but she was able to return quite often. On one of these trips back in 1986, she was cross-country skiing with her cousin and visited an open house at a condo. Laying on a table, she saw a business plan for a brewery. Sounds like a weird thing, but I'm very nosy, and I usually read (laughs) things that are on people's tables. I'm the same way. Like there's something there, something catches your eye. You just want to look at it, see what it says. I mean... uh, Brittany calls me Gladys Kravitz because I got to know whatever, like I'm looking out the windows. I got to know whatever's happened in the neighborhood. One of our neighbors moved out and I was, I've already been nosing through the vacant apartment. (laughs) Brittany, Brittany, you'll never believe what they're doing next door. And I'm like, I don't care. 
<laughs> Sorry, I was trying my best Gladys Kravitz. Wasn't that, that great? Was, no, that was pretty good, actually. Wouldn't you be curious about, like, the layout of the apartment next door? No. Oh, yeah. You, you'd got to see, like, oh, like, when does the, it stack up to mine? Did I, did I choose poorly? Because it's, like, 1 a.m., and you know no one lives there anymore, and the door is left unlocked by the people who are cleaning it. So you're like, I'm just going to look around. Yeah. It's like, I don't care. Especially when you live in a converted schoolhouse, so like every unit is different and has its own yeah. works. It's like I want to see maybe, what's up with this one. Maybe, maybe you want to. Maybe you look around there and go. Maybe I just want to move units. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, back to the quote. I asked the guy uh, who is going to be the brewmaster. And he said, well, I was thinking of so-and-so who was a contractor in the town. And I was like, well, does he know anything about it? He goes, no, but he can get trained. I was like, well, yeah, but I could do this. <laughs> uh, you know what? Hats off. That's a... Yeah. It's like, yeah, he could. But wouldn't you like someone who could do it for you know, less it costs to train him? Holman <laughs> got the job. <laughs> and Greg uh, Scherf, is that how we say his name? Scherf? Scherf? I guess. Uh, the owner made plans to have uh, to have her train at the original, oh, I want to say hat, but heart <laughs> brewing company in Washington State. The brewery that would eventually become Pyramid Brewing. After training, she returned to Park City to continue work with the brewery from the business plan. Uh, Wasatch Brewing. Hmm. It was the first brewery to open in Utah since Prohibition, but it was also another first. Pullman had become the first female brewmaster of the modern American era. Wasatch, we've been there. Yeah. And they were, what, recently bought by somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if we if we mention old breweries that are mm. that we've been to, I bet you there's a... There's a Most fairly high statistical, statistical number of... And they've been bought. Yeah. Sad times. Um, I don't know how to say this next thing. So, Farendorf? Question mark? Okay. Uh, so. Farendorf, 451. We're going to go with you on that. Yeah. Uh, it was at a church rummage sale when she was nine years old that Terry Farendorf found a book titled How Beer is Made. That's awesome. Uh, she paid 10 cents for the book, which was most likely an information booklet published by Miller in the 1960s. From that book, she learned what she called the secrets of making beer. But this wasn't her first introduction to the subject. Her family of German heritage had a healthy relationship for, from birth with beer. Babies would get a teaspoon to calm them. That's about right. <laughs> we, we all know about that. Uh, beer and pizza night once, was once a month where she could choose between Coke or beer instead of the normal 2% milk at dinner. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, uh, the the... The idea of a teaspoon of uh, beer to calm them. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. The proper way, like the only time alcohol was allowed in my home uh, was uh, not to calm a child, but it was like, uh, he's got a nasty cough. Let's just carpet bomb everything down that throat here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Farndorf says, uh, once when I was 12, our family went out to uh, Belestrias, pizza in Milwaukee. My father ordered a pitcher of beer and six glasses. The waitress questioned him as there were only two adults at the table. Pop <laughs> said, 
Either you bring six glasses or they'll drink out of ours. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Farnworth's Girl Scout troop once toured the Miller Brewing Company. Damn. What? <laughs> the Girl Scouts should um, should continue that tradition, she said. Maybe there would be more female beer drinkers and brewers. It's not wrong. I mean, like, our no, Girl but also, crap. I was going to say, you, you were like, oh, holy crap. Like, I mean, my my freshman year of high school was, hey, we're going to go tour uh, um, Maker's Mark. So... Yeah, but they're Catholic. They were Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that school was the opposite of my parents. <laughs> uh, so while Farnor's book scratched her itch for information about brewing, it didn't tell her how to actually make it at home. The book was focused on factory-made beer and not home brewing. While she made bread and other fermentations at home, she wasn't successful with beer. In her sophomore year in college, a classmate gave a speech on how to make homemade wine. Uh, quote, my speech was on how to load a backpacking pack for proper weight distribution. <laughs> my fellow classmate, Patty Ruff, gave a speech on how to make wine. <laughs> I was completely entranced and ran straight out to pick up some Welch's grape juice. <laughs> That's there, awesome. Okay, there two, two things. Uh, first of all, I remember, we may have touched on this back in our Prohibition episodes, uh, uh, but there's there's an apocryphal story of uh, Welch's grape juice and some other places selling grapes during Prohibition that just had a uh, thing on the packaging that said, "Do not." Oh yeah yeah yeah. Basically, you know, yeah, do not add yeast and put in a uh, jug in a dark place for two weeks. Yeah. Yes. You will uh, make alcohol, and it which is an illegal product. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, the the second thing, which was uh. uh how to make wine. Yeah. Okay. You thought you were safe, didn't you? Never. Uh, <laughs> that winter, I made a lot of very strong wine for our household of five <laughs> college girls. Experimented with every blend of grape juice concentrate the store offered. Grape apple, grape raspberry, grape peach. We offered them grape to our party peach. guests. Yeah, yeah. We offered them to our party guests and cut the alcohol with 7-Up. It was a heady time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote right there. Um, in uh, 1988, Farnorf was working as a systems analyst and was enjoying that career less and less. She took some vacation time and went to the National Homebrewers Conference held in Denver. Uh, there she met Charlie uh, Papazian and learned of the Siebel, is it Siebel or Sybil? I'm going to say Siebel Institute. Um, at the time, it wasn't a thought that she could brew professionally. She didn't see women brewers in the industry. The National Homebrewers Conference and Great American Beer Festival were being held at the same time in Denver. It was that week that Farndorf watched Millie Pullman walk across the stage and receive a medal for her work at the Scherf Brewing Company. This catalyst was a major push in why Farndorf decided to leave her desk job and become a brewer. Nearly a year later, or a year earlier, after returning from the Homebrewers Conference, uh, quote, I applied to the Siebel Institute and attempted to take a three-month leave of absence from my job. They denied my leave, so I gave a one-month notice and quit. <laughs> in, Huevos. Yeah. In 1989, Farndorf was hired to be brewmaster of an existing brewery that had gone bankrupt and was going to be reopened under new ownership. Up to that point, she had only brewed five gallons at a time. She was told that the system was a 10-barrel brewery. 
The brewery is beautiful. It was known as the Cathedral of Brewing. Unfortunately, the kettle she was slope. At Taft's? <laughs> Unfortunately, the kettle slope and drain were not designed properly. So, to ensure the most concentrated wort in the kettle during the boil, I would then empty the kettle of the last two to three gallons of water that could not properly drain out. In order to do this, I had to remove a six-inch cap and tri-clover clamp, and let the water drain out. Then put the six-inch cap and clamp back on. <laughs> Fun. I feel like uh, a lot of uh, early brewing is, well, this doesn't work. I'm going to have to do a lot of hard stuff I don't like doing. <laughs> that is the case. Uh, Ferdorf, <laughs> though, tells this story about her worst day of brewing. Uh, she says, on May 1st, 1989, two months after the brewery had opened and one month after I got my first beers on tap, I did my usual routine. I mashed in, was pumping the 50 gallons of boiling water over. Um, after a reasonable period of time, the pump began to cavitate, uh, which basically means just air trapped in the lines. Um, a familiar sound, which signaled to me that the 50 gallons had been moved over. I ran down the hallway and turned off the pump switch, grabbed my rubber gloves, and began to take off the six-inch tri-clamp fitting. I did not stop, however, to look at the manway at the top of the kettle. The pressure from the water behind that six-inch cap pushed back my hands, and steam poured out, and suddenly sl time slowed down. Instead of two to three gallons dribbling out, I had 50 gallons of boiling water gushing right at me. I dropped the six-inch cap and squeezed into a corner between the kettle and the railing. The brewery was built for looks and had no escape plan, but stairs and railings everywhere. I moved to go around the railing and up the steps and got hit hard with boiling water. Jesus. I squeezed back into the corner again. The boiling water had filled my left rubber boot. I was trapped. I knew if I didn't get out of there, I would die. What probably took six seconds felt like 20 minutes. I could see two older men at the bar through the steam, worriedly watching me. I tried slipping between the bars of the railing. Luckily, I was small enough to make it. I got up the steps and immediately took off my boot as I walked down the hallway, disrobing and calling for help. My legs were bright red and skin hanging in drip-like formations. Oh. I thought my left foot was cooked like a chicken. I couldn't move it. I thought they would have to amputate it. It took 10 minutes to ride to the hospital, and it was the longest 10 minutes of my entire life. Ferendorf had suffered third-degree burns on 11% of her body. The surgeons took skin grafts from her scalp to cover her left leg and foot, and she was told the rest of her legs looked like raw hamburger meat. Even though she suffered this serious accident, she stayed in the brewing industry and used the incident to talk about the safeties of the brew house later. After so, spending... Oh, I was going to say, so the, that story reminds me of... Uh... Someone I used to work with when I worked in food, uh, they had to take a long leave of absence because uh, they were working uh, cleaning stuff above the deep fryer, and they didn't empty it first. <sighs> and they slipped, fell. Mm. Their long, tall boots, like knee-high boots, fell into the – one leg fell oh. into the deep fryer and filled their boot. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, they were out of work for several months. And, um, probably almost, if not for sure, out of a leg, too. Uh, they, I think they kept the leg, but it was like they they had to work to, to remove the rubber from their leg because it practically. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. take away from the story we're in right now. Is that I, my first job was at McDonald's cleaning the fryers every night, and I never once oh. got burned because guess what? I took all that one thousand percent to heart. <laughs> like, say, yep. I've gone through OSHA training, and I'm, I'm I've already like seen too 
many of these pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. So after spending 19 years as a brewmaster, Ferrendorf decided to quit to take a road trip, visiting 71 breweries and brewed at over half of them while she blogged the trip. She says, an interesting coincidence was that many brewers that invited me to visit employed young women brewers. When I arrived, they sent me to work alongside their female brewer, who I not only had never met before, I had never even heard of before. She had also not heard of me previously. In several cases, we struck up an easy bond and a quick friendship. It became clear to me that these young women had felt alone as the only women brewers in the beer, their beer world. It was also clear that my story of being a brewmaster for 19 years after, offered them a vision of what their own career could aspire to be. Suddenly, a 40, at 47, I felt the call to give back to the beer industry that I love so much by mentoring these women and others like them. At Oh, I was just going to say, like, that's – I like, hats off to these – you know, to both these women. But it's still just like, yeah, there needs to be more, <laughs> more of that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I wasn't so, trying to interrupt. I was just excited. No, Continue. At the first brewery where this happened, the young woman asked, Terry, you tell me there are others like us. How many of, of us are there? I promised I would try to find out as I made the trek across the country. A few months into the journey later, another young brewer, women brewer posed the same question, and I was proud to be able to provide an answer. I found 60 women brewers so far. Then she asked, who are they? I want to network with them. I want to talk to them, so I promised... I would post a list on my website so she could have it. Ferrendorf published that list of brewers on her website, but seeing how titling it list of women brewers would be quite boring, she thought back to a pair of shiny pink boots she wore while on the trip. She thought it was similar to the Red Hat Society. Oh, God. I thought of the Red Hat Society, the organization of jolly old ladies who go out and party in red hats, and I coined the, my list the Pink Boot Society. I You're, so. I've run across red hats in two different jobs. Uh, one, they like you would always see them like buy out theater seats in groups, like you mm -hmm. know when there's like a, a, a show, a concert, or something that they want to see. And the other is uh, when uh, they go out to eat. They are lousy tippers. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Those hats aren't cheap. <laughs> Years later. The Pink Boot Society has grown into an international nonprofit organization of women professional brewers with a focus on education. While no longer just brewers, this group group does require that members of members are female or non sorry. This group does require that the members are a female or a non-binary beer professional, including many others that earn an income from the beer industry. So not just brewers anymore but yeah. front of house back of house anybody that's in the, the beer industry in general and not to i was talking to somebody uh talking to some friends of mine about like we were doing this episode this week and i was thinking about you know the beer you well your brewery made casey for for mm. the pink boots thing and i think we talked about it at the time but i still like the 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 the, the ethos that kind of went to it which was you know, you had female employees that had broached this to you, and you went, "Yeah, I'm not making it because I'm not a lady. That <laughs> yeah. would be disingenuous. You all make this. I will make sure you know things are kind of going okay, and 
you know, but I'll show you what you have to do. Get to work. Yep. They, uh, they designed the recipe and went with basically start to finish with the whole beer. So I just kind of was like, when they came and said, Hey, we want to do a beer for this special event, um, that was celebrating women. I was like, yeah, great. And, uh, I want you all to make it. <laughs> I said that to a brewer friend who went, oh, yeah, I get that. Less work for him. I was like, well, I mean, yes, but also. <laughs> I think at the time, even, I had an assistant brewer. So really, it was like, it, I don't think we. it was even the, the work side of things because we, I may have already had that pawned off on Pucket at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh the design of the recipe, you know, that's the that's kind of the fun part of it. They were right there with it, making the 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 recipe up. Um, were more you or like, less, were you like like at least looking at it occasionally, going like, you know? Mm. So they would say because most of them, all of them had that brewed the beer had no like real beer beer that, brewing experience. Yes, that's that's what I was. I, I, I forgot to mention was they yep. they did not actually have brewing experience. So that's so. Not that you needed to guide them. (laughs) So the the concept and the idea was that they said, okay, I want these flavors. And so I gave like a list of malts that we had on hand and listed out what that malt flavor would be. And they went through the list, looked at it and said, oh, I think this would go well with that and and picked out the malts that they wanted through there. And so we used some standard um, calculations. I said, okay, what alcohol by volume do you want? And we use some standard calculations. Do you want more or less of this? And and kind of guided them into a a recipe from that. Um, it was a saison, so it was a fairly straightforward. The yeast do most of the the flavoring of it, but um, they wanted in that one. It wasn't lavender. Honeysuckle. That was the one mm. they wanted. Honeysuckle. Oh. So we we worked at ways that we could get honeysuckle into the beer and and. Just- figure that out yeah because it's a floral so we we tried some different honeysuckle flavorings because really you can't go out and just get honeysuckle flowers and throw them in there yeah there's not enough flowers in the world to (laughs) not not at that level so we went out and got some honeysuckle flavoring and and kind of looked to see what that would do and what levels they wanted to put in there and then um basically it was like okay here's here's your choices and they made the choices it was like choose your own adventure beer yeah (laughs) i got to have that beer it's it was good. Yeah, they did a good job on on picking everything. And then, of course, the day of, they they mashed in and made the beer and everything. And then, as it was it was fermenting, they tasted along the way and said, "Okay, this is this is what we like." Yeah, as they say, Sorry, saison I, keeps we, the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> and this, we, we we should mention at least something like it could be, you know that 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 is a that is a thing we at least have some firsthand experience with. And this year they've already picked out their new, uh, the new beer. So it will be a salted watermelon goza, oh, um, with huh. basil. Oh, yes, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they they want to do. I, I, um, I, I need me. I need. I need it. And again, in that same pathway, they were like, "What about a salted saison?" And I was like, "Well, the classic saison, if you add salt to it, becomes pretty much a goza." Yeah, I was going to yeah. say at that point. If, if if you're wanting a salted, why not go Gosa? Yeah. So oh. we, we just, I mean, that was as much as I kind of put into it, and the rest was them. So oh. didn't, at that point, isn't it, and, um, the basil is what kicks it up, but it's, it just makes you think of the hell or high watermelon. Mm. Yeah, mm. well, that's I don't, good. that's a, just a wheat beer, so. Yeah, yeah. 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 
and and that's the other thing. I was looking at Hell or High Watermelon to see. I know they use real watermelon, so I'm trying to figure out. Okay, now how are we going to get watermelon flavor into this with as natural watermelon as possible? Um, I do yeah. have a, a Amaretti can do some kind of flavor compounds with um, with like craft puree, so that may be a good way to do it and do it a little bit more naturally. But also, we may be in the business of just going out and buying a pallet of watermelon and trying to dehydrate it. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Actually, that 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 will that that can segue into uh, what I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> Ooh. Drink with me, friend. I support I, this idea, though, because that's um, probably one of my favorite beers. That's kind of what led to it. They're like, we, uh, it was street side trying to do a coconut stout. And they're like, well, we've never really dealt with coconut. Like, so we just did an ass load of it because we knew it. Would, <laughs> like, we knew it would just, like, absorb a ton of the beer into the coconut. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we just completely overdid the coconut, and it made a delicious beer. Okay. How could it not? I just posted a picture. I saw that Bob Connor made it. So on the Pink Boots site, they have a uh, a link to vendors that have pink boots, like safe. So the the picture I just posted, they're steel toed safety like work boots that are pink. Yep. And I'm like, I, this is amazing, and I need these. <laughs> you say steel toed, and I was like, my feet just feel safe just hearing it. <laughs> um, you got to watch out on some of those, though. They, uh, uh, not those, of course, but like just in in buying your boots. It's a very important thing in the brewing industry. Your your footwear that you wear, because oh, okay. not only is it protective, but it's also comfort. Yes. That time. Yeah. Uh, so some of these steel toe vendors that aren't super reputable, mm. the steel toes can actually compress, oh. and then it becomes a steel vice or a steel yeah. clamp that just pinches your toes right off. Well, that's, uh, there's a Mythbusters on that. Ooh. Uh, where, like, it's, it's an early one where it will still protect, but it will, it, yeah, it, it is closer to a vice. The, the, the myth is that it would, like, chop your toes off, but instead, they'll, with enough weight, it will squeeze them in. But at that point, your foot's, your foot's screwed anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, on to what we're drinking. There was a sounder a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the odd man out tonight, so I can either go first or last. You can go ahead, because I've actually got a story on both both drinks um, that I want to tell. Yeah, you yeah. go ahead, okay. and I think the rest of us are splitting one, and then we uh, we venture off into our own things. So, uh Due to logistical problems, I was not able to get the beer we were all going to try to drink tonight. Uh, so, uh, I reached into the fridge and, what, what do you know, I'm a corporate shill and I, I grabbed some sake a friend of mine makes. Uh, but uh, Void Sake has their, they just did a new release that has already sold out and they are getting ready to make more. Hmm. They're Nine Monkeys Banana Pudding. Saki. Oh, I want to try that so bad. <laughs> oh my god, it's good. They it came out at the same time they had a very like chocolate, a Mexican chocolate spiced mm. sake that is also very good. Uh but since there's the the uh, uh 
you know, that and I was like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll start with that one. And I was like, yeah, we'll get the other one. And everyone, as I'm like sitting there, like who worked there, was like, you need to try the banana. But the banana is where it's at. I'm like, I'm sure it is. I'll get to it. It'll be fine. I drink it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's real good. It it tastes like banana pudding. Where it is that uh, nigori style, it's cloudy and it has like that slightly uh, slightly more viscous mouthfeel. It 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 feels. It even almost feels like banana pudding. That's fine. <laughs> now, you can heat this up as well because they have started doing like you know warm sakis. And warm, it tastes like tapioca pudding. <laughs> you kind of lose me there. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, depending on your, you know, depending on your your preference, but it's still like real good. It's sweet. They use. They use a lot of dehydrated bananas, which was uh, yep. for for a part of this, and it's ooh. So, it's so good. this is this is sort of like the third hand example of this dehydrated banana thing. I was brewing down at the the other brewery in Lexington um, that weekend that I tried it, mm-hmm. and so I brought some into them, and um, we tried it cold first, and then we. Uh, took some hot water off the hot liquor tank and warmed up the the bottle and then did it hot afterwards. Oh yeah, cuz you bought like a you bought like a few a bottles. bottles of it. Yeah. yeah. Um and I learned that the brewery I was brewing at had taught them to use the dehydrated bananas. Mm, yeah, cuz well cuz everyone in town's kind of yeah. sharing and talking. And so the, the brewery I was with, uh, Brockhouse, they had done a banana beer with dehydrated bananas. And I think it's a regular occurrence, actually, that beer is. And then so they were talking to Brandon, the brewer for Ethereal, and he did bananas in a Baba Yaga release. Yeah. Dehydrated Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. They, and they, then from I there. I think, it's, I think it's this year's yeah. or last? Yeah, this year's. And, it's... And, and so he was like, you know, that didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, but they – then move that into the sake and they were like, yeah, this is, this is the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a uh, convenient since Brandon is at both locations. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's the, yeah, that's kind of the motion, um, it, you know, the sharing of knowledge there, but they were the ones that were able to find the nuts.com that had a lot more bananas per pound that you could just buy. Because the guys at Rock House were going to Trader Joe's and buying eight ounce bags of dehydrated bananas. Oh, good oh God! Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, and so that yeah. opening eight ounces bag, eight ounce baggies for a, a huge batch is tedious. Oh, by the way, they are uh, unrelated to to flavor or anything, but Void's gotten new labels for because uh, they they've re released mm-hmm. the Ghost in Green, and they've really, I've seen some of the new labels they have coming out for them. Oh, they're so cool looking. I like new labels because that means my old school labels just like became more rare. <laughs> Your old school uh, handwritten. How did you say the handwritten with a sharpie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they've got some. They've got some cool new looking, new looking stuff that uh... these, these guys are going big. Oh, I you mean, say that'll be a collector's item to be like, I've got the old sharpie labels. <laughs> yeah. No, it can't be a collector's item. Because I've got to drink. Well, maybe the bottle, but I've got to drink that stuff. Well, I always buy multiples if I can. Mm. No, I I refuse to let that stuff go bad. Although I do have a science experiment of their uh, Omachi Genshu that uh, when Justin tells me it's been a year, I've got to bring it out to him. Go like, all right, let's see what this does. 
Um, so for the rest of us, I think we're bring, drinking the same thing currently. Uh, well, I moved past that. That's where I started. But Casey, okay. if you want to, you want to go ahead with that with the one that the other three of us. I've, I've got the. I just got the info on it in the. Doc. Sorry, I was just I was just seeing the, the the style on it, and I'm like, man, that sounds like it'd be fun. It's good. It's actually really good. Yeah. I we'll have. Good. I'll, I'll bring some your way next time we see each other. Because <laughs> yeah. When you're up here, a couple whatever. weeks, yeah. So, yeah, well, you'll get to taste it one way or the other. It is a little aged, so um, it has a Best Buy date. This is from last year's, but it's a sour, so it gets a little bit more of a pass, I think. Um, but the the concept here is that it is a sweet, tart, juicy hop goodness um, brewed in. The stop, stop. We can only get so erect. <laughs> fruited sour style, um, six point eight percent ABV. This was a so it's Flying Dog Victress. It was a, I think a small release beer that was a little bit different. It was like in the four percent range, but they have now made a national release out of it, um, and so it it got bumped up in the ABV. ABV. I'm sure for multiple reasons, um, it probably sells a lot better at a higher ABV. They pack a little bit more flavor in there. But the kicker to this and why it's such a big deal about the pink boots, other than just being women, women brewed, which is which is a big deal. But the the one that really makes it a pink boots beer, not just a woman beer brewed beer, is the um, the hops that they used. Mm. Um, Yakima Valley, I think it's Yakima Valley hops. Let me see if I can pick up the blend. Sorry, Yakima Chief hops. So in this is 2021's version. So the hop blend um, for the 2021 Pink Boots blend. Huh, nope, this would have been the one. Well, this is the one that's getting ready to come up, actually. So it's got five hops that are in it. Idaho Gem. HBC 630, Talus brand hops, Triumph, and Laurel brand hops. So those hops are all blended together to make this single uh, blend. Um, is there anyone other than me that hears Triumph hops and is picturing a small dog with cigars saying, it's a good hop <laughs> for me to poop on? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's the 15th anniversary of the Pink Boot Society this year. And so these, the they their goal was sell to sell fifty thousand pounds of these hops, and when they sell a pound of hops, three dollars mm-hmm. from the the price of that hops goes back to the Pink Boots Society. Oh, I thought you were going to say an angel gets its wings, but that well, that's, that's also good. Um, so uh, to date, they've done a like three hundred eighty-one thousand dollars in contributions just from this one hop sale, wow. and so the idea is that they would hope to be over um, five hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars in contributions for this year. Wow, nice. Yeah, and so that's sort of the easy way to give back. It's one thing as a brewer to open up your checkbook and write a write a check to an organization but it's another thing to be like all right i'm going to buy hops anyway i'll pay a little extra for the hops that i am buying and then you get the kickback on whatever extra i'm paying it, it kind of makes it a little easier as a brewer um, if you're reporting to your boss to say oh no i just bought these hops rather than saying oh yeah i just wrote a check out of your checkbook 
sorry about that. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, and uh, on the flying dog portion, it also says like the benefits of the proceeds rather of the beer itself benefit Pink Boots too. So like oh, all around, good. yeah. It's it's just. So on there, and well, I guess if they've if they've kind of went beyond that and said, okay, for this beer, when you buy a six pack, we'll go ahead and give back, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we make from that. So that's even better. Which yeah. uh, so I feel like this discredits a lot of, um, I guess the brew associations fights with Flying Dog over some of their beers like <laughs> Raging Bitch. <laughs> like, oh, just being call your beer Raging anyway. Bitch. How how could you? It's like, look, man, it's a dog. It's a term for a female dog. What, you hate women? Brewers Association? Because where are your women at? Because they're sitting there like, we have beers brewed with enti- nothing but an entire team of women. So <laughs> We have beer brewed with nothing but women. <laughs> that may be a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, and I don't, did you say it, it, the, it's a cranberry lime? Or did you mention, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's labeled as a kettle sour, um, specifically like that style. Uh, I did find also the untapped score is three point six two out of five. I feel well, really. I was just saying, I feel not, like that's. Oh, so as far as like an untapped score, yeah, that's about. I mean, that's that's not bad by any means, and the beer's like good and it's drinkable. Like drinkable, that makes it sound like oh yeah, well you can safely consume it. I mean, it's well, it's like, also three three months past its Best Buy date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could drink a lot of that. Like that's what it said. Like it's drinkable. Yep. Like I could like the six pack. I could I could have sat here during this and like crushed a six pack of that. Yeah, I was gonna say cr- crushable. They're uh, crushable. Yeah, different thing. Yes, I could have put that back because it. I mean, it's great. It tastes good. I, I also, love the label. On I was it. I was just about to say the same thing. I was like, I just love the way it looks too. Because it's got you that can like show the label off. Because I can't with the blur thing. I, I don't know, like, for the nobody watching, it's just like this kind of Wonder Woman, but she's got pink boots, and the emblem on the chest is the flying dog, you know. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, yeah, no, I was, and at the, I think we bought it, like, thinking, oh, well, this may not be an official yeah pink boots thing, but it turns it out it is actually it is, but we didn't realize that because it just has you know her with the pink boots on the front, and it's a I think the the six pack holder just says brewed by all women brewers. Yeah, yeah. Which it notes on the label too. So yeah, but yeah. Uh, so that's the official beer, and on top of that, we are since it's Bachfest here in Cincinnati. We had to celebrate that with a beer that one of the good friends of the show, uh, Jim Nash, had a hand in. Uh, this one was a collaboration with uh, Cork and Bottle, uh, the outfit he's with, and Braxton. This is Baby Got Bach, double barrel aged Doppelbach. And it's pretty fantastic and he was he gave us the heads up on the just drink it room temperature don't he said don't even chill it he said just room temperature this uh this collaboration between cork and bottle and braxton brewing company was brewed with rich german malts lagered for six weeks barrel aged in new riff barrels for 16 months then finished in a george remus barrel and handpicked by the team at cork and bottle this Doppelbach has complex notes of chocolate, dark fruit, and toasted malt. 
along with a nutty undertone. Oak and vanilla are also revealed from the extended barrel aging. I gotta say, yeah, I got like a big hit of the nuttiness in this. And it's not like massively uh, like alcohol hot. So I really like this uh, Baby Got Bach. I, I, I'm definitely a fan. I get a big nutty vanilla note out of it. Nice barrel character because uh, Cork and Bottle, it was the George Remus pick. I don't know if they've still got bottles of mm. it at the store that were the George Remus pick that they had done. I think they might. But I really wanted to get a bottle of that and a bottle of this. So, you know, one of those fun things of like, oh, here's the beer that, you know, this is the the barrel pick they did. So they supplied the barrel and you can have, you know, you can have the bourbon and the, or you can have the whiskey and, and the beer. It's always a fun You get thing. a bottle of this, you get a bottle of that, get a bottle of this, get a bottle. So I'm picturing now uh, um, the Fat Boy Slim, Fat Boy Slim video with, um, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Thank you. I, I, I was blanking on that name. Weapon of choice. Uh, yes, yes. Weapon yes. of choice. Um, it uh, it, it's, it had an a, when you said the the nut and vanilla thing, like it made me think cashews on the aroma. And, I can see that. Yeah, because it's not a roasted. No, no, uh, I don't get situation. Roasty. It's just like a straight. So like it just made me think of like planters cashews. <laughs> but yeah, so but it's really good. Bachfest, uh, we couldn't go to it because our child has a hole in his head and, you know, didn't. That shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, didn't you feel multiple holes in your head. It's supposed to be like the, the five that are supposed to be there. There's an extra one there, right? Did a really good job so. counting because I was like, one, what? <laughs> we didn't feel two, it, two, one. Didn't feel it safe to take him, you Tired. know, into public <laughs> when I can see his skull. So it's like, yeah, let's let's stay home for the weekend. Uh, what well, it meant missing Bach Fest, but uh, we still got to have a good Cincinnati Bach. They, I almost got one for the episode just because of uh, just because I saw it was out. But there's a a beta, uh, oh, yeah. Mardi Gras Bach. Yep. Oh, I was gonna say we saw an. Oh, was it? Uh, oh crap! Because when we were at Jungle Gyms, I I was like, oh my god, Abita's doing, and it was I forget what the flavor is now. But it was it was just like one of those out there kind of things, and I was like, "Yeah, Abita doing that is probably like one of the best things that could happen." I want to mm-hmm. say I, I'm probably wrong, but I want to say it was cinnamon roll or something like that, like something mm-hmm. crazy. But now I don't remember. But it was like, oh god! And then the Abita strawberry stuff was out, and I was like, "Well, yes." Abita keeps Bach on all the time, like they have a year-round Bach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just saying, like they had a weird flavor out. I just don't remember what it was now. Okay. Yep. Anyway. Trailer Park Wine. Good stuff. Trailer Park Wine. The brewery's in the middle of a trailer park. Oh. Casey can attest Uh, to that. Speaking of of Casey. So, today's show is written by myself, Casey Price. What were you drinking? Oh, I I thought. He was drinking the Victus. Oh, I thought you were drinking something else. The Victress. Nope, just that. Okay. Uh, could go pop up in a brand new bottle of Blanton's. Ah. <laughs> oh, haven't you done well? <laughs> <laughs> right place, right time. Uh, today's show is written by me, Casey Price, using direct sources this time around from uh, Terry Hoffendorf's website, terryhoffendorf.com, and a review from 
Uh, Millie Pullman, done on June 16 or June of 2016 by Oregon State University. It's their oral beer history. You can subscribe, though, and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. In fact, find us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. You can ask us a question. Uh, tell us your favorite drink or leave some general feedback. Uh, you can use the email address at feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website or, uh, you know, shout very loudly into the uh, defunct Russian uh, uh uh, military equipment that's been left on your farm or front lawn. We'll hear the yeah. echoes. <laughs> All joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yes, and you can check out uh, the next live episode in another couple of weeks. And remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>